everyone and welcome to what's your jersey podcast i'm your host jacqueline marfuji and i just want to say thank you for tuning in if it's your first time checking me out uh i like to call my listeners meatballs so welcome to being a meatball i uh hope you're all having a great week it's now friday i feel like we've made it. it for some reason the second week of april always feels really long uh i feel like it was jam-packed I feel like I also lost uh, two days just, you know, meal prepping, which I know is something that everyone I feel like got into in about 2015 or 16. I'm just jumping on the bandwagon. And let me tell you, I, I, I spent hours at home just making food that is now sitting in the fridge. That's the problem. And I want you guys to reach out to me and let me know if you do the same thing where you meal prep and yet you still want to go out and eat either fast food or other food instead of what you have in your fridge. I've been making the basic just grilled chicken and it's kind of pathetic that the way I make it, I just pour a bunch of Italian dressing, light Italian dressing, um, in the meat. I pound the meat. I pound it really hard uh, and let it marinate. And then I just put it in the oven for like 15 minutes on each side. And then I blast it under the broiler. It's really easy. It makes really thin, non-sketchy chicken because I get sketched out when things are just chewy and not cooked fully through. I know it's terrible, but that's how it is. And then just ground turkey. I've been making a lot of ground turkey. There's some tuna happening, but God, everything takes so long. So please email me and let me know what your quick tips in the kitchen tips. <laughs> that was not a real sentence. Let me know what they are because I'm curious and then I'll share all your answers on the next episode. So email me at what's your Jersey podcast at gmail.com because Hey, I need help and I want to help you guys. Uh, so before we get to my guest who he reached out to me actually to be on the podcast and I can't believe we have not had him yet in over a hundred episodes. He is so just in line with everything that what's your Jersey is about. He's from New Jersey, which yeah, meatballs, you don't have to be from New Jersey to be completely loved and appreciated on this podcast. But yeah, he's from New Jersey. He's uh, played professional football. He has a new book coming out and he also has an MBA and was in medical device sales and has been he sat in on over 500 heart surgeries. So he is kind of like a jack of all trades. He's also been engaged to an ex kind of reality pro wrestler star. So yeah, we got reality TV, we got pro football, we have, you know, has written a book and from, it's a lot. So I'm really excited for this episode. Um, before we get to him, I also just want to let you know I have great guests coming up. Allie Levine is on next week. She's a celebrity stylist, and we talk a lot about new trends for spring, and she also has a one-year-old daughter. So we we dive in to all the things that are scary about becoming a mom, about pregnancy, about all that stuff, and also about giving advice for men when they want to get like sexy and they want to make their wife feel good after she gives birth, wife, girlfriend, whatever. We get into that and just getting your groove back 
after, you know, having a baby, I, I ask her all the questions that scare the shit out of me that I, I don't know, maybe scare you guys. So definitely tune in next week. I also have some great sponsors coming up that I'm obsessed with. Um, but also this week, I just want to let you guys know if you want to work out from home and you don't feel like leaving your house, because who really does? Um, you can work out with me. Um, I'm actually shooting new videos tomorrow morning uh, for plyojam.com. Uh, so you can join the online workout community and I have a special discount for you. It's shocker meatballs. Uh, so yeah, just put that discount code in and you get a discount on your membership and you also get to work out with me from home. And I love it when you guys tag me in the videos and let me know that you're, you're loving the workouts and you're sweaty and you're burning calories and all that stuff. I love that. Also, when I was talking about meal prepping before, I don't want to pretend like I eat healthy all the time. I definitely, on the weekends especially, indulge in all the pizza, all the pasta, all the cheese. Hashtag Locatelli. And so, yeah, I do work out, unfortunately, every single day to try to balance it out. I mean, that's it. I feel like I'm not really losing weight at this point. Anyway, uh, coming up, we talk so much. Um, Phil Costa talks about... Things that I feel like we would love to hear guys talk about, but they don't ever open up about, at least the guys I know. Um, so he touches on points like allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Uh, we talk about embracing change in your life, um, how you actually decide what's your next step, what's your next chapter. Um, he also retells stories of becoming a Dallas Cowboy and what it's like being a professional football player. Um, this is something that always resonates with me. He talks putting your blinders on, running your own race. And I love this quote, control what you can control, which again is really simple, but I feel like we forget about it. When you're going through a tough time, be in the present and do what you can do now, because that's, that's really all we have. Um, and uh, also, I made sure I, I snuck in, it's towards the end, meatballs, but I snuck in a lot of dating questions. Yes, Phil is single. He did not ask me to say that, but he is. He is on the dating apps. And we talk about um, past relationships, being with people who post hot pictures on Instagram and who are celebrities or out there and how to deal with that and like what guys actually think about that. We talk about what guys like on dating apps. And also I ask him what he's looking for in a girl. He's in his 30s and I feel like it's very refreshing to find out what he actually is looking for. Um and he flips the questions on me. So you'll get some dating advice and some opinions on being in love because I just want everyone to be happy and be in love. So I kind of turn into a matchmaker towards the end. So definitely stay tuned until the very end because the last half, there's a lot of gems thrown in there. With that being said, I have to apologize for the sound quality. Our internets were not working as well. So we were trying to do a Skype podcast session and it just kept dropping out because guess what phil was in new jersey um and we didn't want to not do the podcast so i just have to let you know there are some sound issues we had to end up just doing a speaker phone call and i put my podcast equipment up to my phone um but I really, really love this episode. And after doing over 100 episodes, I have to say he 
is definitely hands down one of my favorite guests. And I really feel like he's going to resonate with a lot of you. He's so informative. He's done so many different things and he's really motivational and just super easy to talk to. So I do have to say there is some clicking in the beginning. It doesn't sound like every other episode of What's Your Jersey podcast. So please stick with me and please don't stop listening to the podcast because of the sound quality. I trust and promise in the fact that I think you'll all really enjoy this. So please also rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends because that's how I find out about new podcasts. I share and my friends tell me about them. I just got into the It's Britney Bitch podcast. I'm obsessed with it. They go every episode is a different year in Britney Spears' career. Um, It's so hilarious. If you like watch what crappens, it kind of reminds me of that only all about Britney Spears. Uh, So if you're a hardcore Britney fan, which I'm assuming some of you must be if you're listening to this podcast, uh, check it out. It's Britney Bitch Podcast. So please share What's Your Jersey with your friends. And yeah, write me a cool review and then DM me and tell me about it. And I will read it on on air Um, just because I want this to be a supportive Uh, space for all of us and um, again I love hearing from you and email me what's your jersey podcast at gmail.com you can find me on social media at Jacqueline Marfuji I'll put all the info in the podcast notes and I post about my upcoming comedy shows I have a bunch coming up so I would love to see you there I've loved seeing and meeting you guys at the most recent ones so thank you again for listening without further ado We bring you Mr. Phil Costa. All right, meatballs. I am very, very excited about this guest. I think this is the most what's your jersey adjacent guest I have ever had on the podcast. Um, In fact, he is actually coming in hot from New Jersey. Um, He has a new book coming out, which I know so many of you are going to love. It's going to resonate with you, whether or not you're an athlete or not. It's called The Transition Playbook for Athletes, How Elite Athletes Win After Sports. And there's over 100 athletes, including 25 Olympians from the NFL, WOVA, MLS, WWE, all these organizations that contributed to it. And, um, you know, he, no big deal, also was an NFL athlete. He played for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he's done all the things. I'm, I don't want to list his resume anymore. Phil Costa, thank you so much for being on What's Your Jersey. Welcome. Glad to be here. How you doing, Jackie? I'm. Oh my God! It's like we're family. You just call me Jackie. <laughs> I love it. That's what the inner circle does. Um, how? First off, we all want to know how is Jersey right now. Tell us everything because we all wish we were there. It's beautiful right now. I got home. Uh, I actually landed like two days ago from uh, Peru, from Lima, and the weather is better in Jersey than it is in. Lima, South America right now. So, yeah, it's awesome here. How's it out in California? Oh, you know, just, it's just Groundhog Day, just 80 degrees every day. Same thing. Everyone Sounds awful. Sounds awful. Right? Um, <laughs> so, I figured to warm us up. So, actually, Phil had reached out to me because, you know, our everything you're doing right now, I feel like, is everything that embodies what's your jersey so over the next probably like 40 minutes we're just going to find out where you're from 
how you got to where you are. We're going to laugh. We're going to talk about certain embarrassing moments and just things that inspire the heck out of you. Um, Looking forward to it. Right? Um, But I thought to kick it off real quick, and I don't even know if you like Italian food or like anything that I'm about to ask you about, but we're going to do a few rapid fire questions right off the bat. Cool? Okay. I want to know, do you like meatballs or do you like bolognese meat sauce? Oh, yes, me too. Even though I love you meatballs. I call my listeners meatballs if you don't know that. Um, (laughs) Okay. Uh, Do you like the movie Goodfellas or Casino? Casino. Number one movie all time. Oh, my God. Goodfellas is great as well, but Casino, I have a number one favorite movie. Really? Yes. Shut Okay, Phil. The fact that, A, your name is Phil, and that's my brother and my dad's name, and I have, like, three Uncle Phil's, and now you've named my favorite movie, too, is, it's like, kismet, this podcast was meant to be. Uh, yes. I know. I love Casino, too. I, I, I even did a presentation on it when I was in seventh grade, which was way too inappropriate. For... <laughs> what, what, what kind of presentation are you doing on Casino in seventh grade? <laughs> I literally had, like, just gotten back from Vegas with the family and I it's so stupid I think we just had to do like public speaking skills like it was a language arts class and I was like you know what I want to show the final scenes I want to educate everyone on Las Vegas so yeah the movie Casino totally embodies that yeah that's incredible I know I was very progressive and fucked up. It's fine. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. That, that is awesome. Yeah, it's so good. Not that Goodfellas isn't great too, but Casino has a special place in my heart. Um, okay, who do you think is hotter, uh, Connie Britton in Friday Night Lights or Sandra Bullock in The Blind Side? I know it's a tough one. I, I, I can I rephrase it. I mean, just yeah. like the kind of woman that you're like, yeah, she can get down. She's awesome. I look up to her, but also is just so hot because I find both of them extremely hot. Uh, I'm with you. I'm going to be happy to go on a date with either of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I think everyone agrees. That's that's like a Sophie's Choice question. I apologize. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, which reality TV show? Jersey Shore or Real Housewives of New Jersey? So Jersey Shore, especially I've been I've been international for the past about a year and a half. Uh-huh. And when I say I'm from Jersey, the first thing everybody says is, "Ah, just like Jersey Shore." I'm like, "Yeah, if you wanted to be just like that." <laughs> You're like, yeah, but, totally, but like not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this uh, I... Jersey Shore. I agree. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, it, it is, it's a guilty pleasure. I stopped watching Real Housewives of New Jersey probably, like, four years ago. Um, so, Phil, you're a Jersey boy. You're from Jersey. You're from South Jersey, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Right from uh, Cherry Hill. You're from Cherry Hill. Oh, okay. So you go down to Atlantic City every now and then? Every now and then. I'm actually okay. heading down there this weekend with a couple friends, yeah. Oh, you are. Are you guys just going for fun? Are you sell? Is it like bachelor party? Like, what are you guys doing? Just going down there for fun. Uh, we might go to actually there's a comedy show on Saturday. Oh, we yeah. might go to that, but it's more uh, yeah, not celebrating anything in particular. More just that we're all home, you know, been uh, away for a little while. 
I love it. I go to Atlantic City all the time. The meatballs know that. I talk about it a lot. Do you have any favorite places there that you definitely have to hit up? Cool. I'm going to say, so you go to Atlantic City, and then you drive to Ocean City and go to Bill's Pancake House. <laughs> have you ever been there? No. Oh, uh, you got to try it. Number one, number one pancakes in New Jersey. You guys heard it here first. <laughs> Bills or Uncle, Pills? Uncle Bills. That's what you want. Oh, I appreciate that. I, I have a few Uncle Bills, and uh, they're, they know their food. Um, that's amazing. So I want to know, what was it like growing up in Cherry Hill? Like, were you just out of the womb, just an athletic kid? Like, I want to know where this all started. It started so my dad, he, uh, he was a professional bodybuilder back in the day. And he was actually Mr. New Jersey. Uh, so we got it from there. Uh, we, you know, started working out at a young age. And I say we is my brother and I, who he was, you know, the ultimate athlete. And I was just trying to keep up with him. Uh, but it, it started at a young age. You know, my dad, he had us, <laughs> he had us doing squats when we were eight, nine years old, you know. So it was ingrained in us. Um, Phil, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Please tell me you were going to squat as a Yeah, well, so my dad, my dad, I mean, he played football in high school and whatnot and got injured, but he always coached and whatnot. And when we were little, we would do wall sits. He would have us sit on the wall. And then we would do the, like, hand grip things to, like, strengthen the hand muscles. So I totally get it. You know, it's a thing. No, I I think it's it's awesome. I um I also love the fact that you're not only an athlete. Like you have an MBA from Columbia. Like you are so academic academically inclined. Were you like that as a kid also, or is that something you had to work like really hard with? It was a combination. Um, my parents, you know, I'll say, were my mom and dad. You know, they put sports and they put academics on the same playing field. So they were both equally important growing up. Um, you know, I can I remember my mom would have us reading books and, you know, then my dad would say, all right, let's go to the gym. And we'd come back and say, okay, you got piano lessons. You know, so we, my brother and I, you know, we grew up, my sister as well, we grew up doing a lot of different things. But without a doubt, from a young age, uh, it was it was, you know, it was ingrained in us and our parents really pushed the importance of academics. I love that. I think that is something we can all learn from and push. Um, it's weird. I was actually, I was watching an episode of the Jim Jeffrey show on Comedy Central and they were doing a whole segment on gun control in right. Chicago and they were interviewing so many ex-gang members and just people in the community and they were like if only the kids had to be in school longer and if only there was more stuff for them to do after school and just if they were able to focus more in school this wouldn't be as big of an issue and I feel like that's something that a lot of places are missing when it comes to even just sports like some high schools are very sports driven and not so much academically driven so have you found that I know you speak a lot to college athletes and stuff um, is that something that you preach 
Um, well, well, you know, I, I just got done. Um, I was up in New York on Monday, uh-huh. and I was fortunate I got to speak to a group of about 50, 60 student athletes. Um, we were at LinkedIn headquarters in New York, uh-huh. and it was a panel of former NFL guys, current NFL guys, um, you know, sharing advice with these student athletes. And, you know, the idea of, it was really the idea of, you know, the more you can do at that age outside of sports will, will make you a better athlete. Um, you know, there was a study that came out where kids in high school actually get better grades in season than out of season. So to your point of, you know, the busy you are, typically, you know, you're doing better in every, in each area of, you know, life. I totally agree with that. I always find that if I have nothing to do, like nothing is going to get done. I'm like, oh, it's an off day. I'll go to the pool. I'll go hang out, you know? And I, for like all the moms listening, I feel like every mom I know is so much more organized and has like so many more things planned out during the day because they just have to. Like there's one activity after another. So you're just on this like, not a hamster wheel, but I feel like you just get a lot more shit done when you're busy and you're focused. Well, we were talking a little bit before the show. I mean, you got your hand in so many different things you're doing. <laughs> I mean, for, for real, you're doing a lot of different things. You know, you're doing comedian, actress, fitness instructor. I mean, what uh, what kind of fitness instructor specifically? What are you teaching? Um, it's it's great, and you, I mean, you're really good with like sponsors. Um, you segue right into it. For, for uh, real, though, it's true. <laughs> um, I teach this class, and you can do it online. And Phil, I think the meatballs would really appreciate maybe seeing a video of you trying out the class. Um, <laughs> it's very funny. Done. It's done. Did you say done? Do we get that? It's um, it's a plyometrics and dance based class. So picture for an hour straight. I don't really break for anything. Like I say, take water as you please. But it's just all uh, just any song that like you love. Like we keep the music very up to date and the playlists and the choreography are constantly changing. But it's not just like a Zumba, follow along, whatever. Like there's some hardcore, you know, squats and jumps and it's just it's very athletic dancing basically Um, and then we incorporate there's another class called plyo jam sculpt and so we do intervals so it's like three songs of plyometrics and dancing and then you're doing uh, like two songs of just weightlifting and sculpting and i also like to incorporate discs and resistance bands sometimes so it's like a full body workout yeah, you got to mix, uh, mix everything. I'll tell you, one, if I can wear the Zumba pants, I'm in. <laughs> I don't even have Zumba pants, so I would honestly, <laughs> I would pay money to see that. And meatballs, um, if you guys want, you can also work out online. Uh, there's a special promo code. You just use meatballs, and you get a special discount. Just go to plyojam.com. Phil, I could probably hook you up with a free one. Um, anyway. No, I got to try it. <laughs> I mean, I'm into doing different, all kinds of workouts. I mean, I do, and a lot of the former NFL guys, they laugh in the beginning because I, I do a ton of yoga. And I, how about you do yoga? Um, 
Yeah, I definitely, I dabble in the yoga arena. I actually just, I heard that you did yoga and I wanted to know when that started. Was that all a Madrid influence or? I've been doing it for a while. It's probably been, you know, I did it a little bit when I played, but it is so hard to do yoga at 315 pounds. Um, so now weighing like 240, it's like, it's uh, not, I'm not going to say it's easy, but a lot easier than at 315. Uh, but I have former teammates now who are like, you know, I, I like to do real workouts. I'm like, dude, you come and do a yoga class with me, you'll be crawling out of there. Like, <laughs> these classes are tough, you know? No, it's so true. I feel like I, I, they just work a different muscle group, and it's also a mind and body thing. Like, yeah. Did, was it hard for you when you first started doing yoga to like focus and like not think about a bunch of stuff and actually be in the moment? It's, I think it's hard to shut the mind off. Yeah. You know, because like you just said, it's a combination of the two. And what kind of do you do? Like a vinyasa, you do a hot yoga with music. What are you into? Um, I mean, I it's bad because I'm not I'm not the most zen. So, uh, I definitely, I'm doing like hot yoga sculpts. There's music, there's like, weight, yeah. like all of that. But I feel like that's not, I, I love it. And you know, it keeps things tight and whatnot. And I definitely recommend that to you, uh, to you listeners. But, um, I think just for your mind and well being, I think like a vinyasa, um, or like an extended longer yoga practice, um, is probably more important, but I don't do that. I can see us doing yoga with like heavy metal on the background. I would love that. I would... Me too. That, that shuts the mind off right there. It makes you focus. I actually like that you focus on the workout. Maybe not as extreme as heavy metal, but like something like that. Oh, I find when I'm joke writing, if I'm like blocked or need something, I always go for a run and I put Jay-Z on. And, and for some reason that just, I'm like, oh yeah, that's the punchline. Like it just comes to me. Um, and awesome. I find like with like working out though, like music for me is such like a, that helps. That's like 90% of the battle. Like what kind of stuff do you like to listen to when you're working out? A little bit of everything. Um, you know, uh, I listen to rap country. Right now, I'm actually on a reggaeton kick. Ooh. Uh, yeah, just from being being in Spain and uh, you know trying to learn Spanish here, uh, getting as much Spanish you know influence as I can. Um, so reggaeton, that, that's my thing right now. How about you? What are you listening to? I mean, I I, I was deep into the reggaeton. I probably said it wrong. Um, I probably said it wrong, too. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was, like, very into Daddy Yankee, circa, like, yeah. 2006. Um, <laughs> but now, I mean, I'm obsessed, and it's really embarrassing. Every morning, I think every meatball should do this. Um, I, I think it wakes your body up to do a little morning mirror dance. So just put, like a song on that you could just rock out to and dance like everyone's watching or if you prefer like nobody's watching that's great too um i love aerosmith like old school aerosmith i put that on um or yeah jay-z i love that uh britney spears i gotta give it to my girl i'm obsessed it's a thing um i actually we're going all over the place, Phil. I hope that's okay. Um, all good. Yeah, well, we're getting the morning fuel. You're getting the morning started off right. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I want to know, because 
I, I know athletes. I, my brother was a professional athlete. And right now, to bring it full circle to Brittany, like she just had to tap out. Like she had to take a mental break and now she's getting help and she's doing self-care and she's in a hospital for a month. Is that something that you've encountered or like, what do you recommend for athletes that are, you know, kind of going through stuff? Because I feel like it's really hard to admit that and to be vulnerable. Well, you just said it right there, the vulnerable. And that's such a big part of, you know, the book uh, that I just finished. But specifically for athletes, and I think this crosses over to everyone who's going through a tough time, is the going to a therapist, you know, and talking to someone. And if you can't afford a therapist, it's talking to, you know, the, the family member, friend, and being open and honest with them. But I think for so many years, you know, my brother is a psychologist now, and he has a practice here in New Jersey. But it's it's been for for so many years where it's been, you know, a stigma to say, you know, it's a weakness to go to a therapist. Well, you know, with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, you know, the same person who's with the Cowboys works with the Yankees. And when I was going through a tough time in Dallas or, you know, dealing with personal issues, family issues at home, you know, I spoke to the therapist, and that's something that, you know, I, don't, I think it's underutilized, and I'm a strong promoter for, for talking to someone. I love that so much. Um, I feel like I've been, like, fighting it. I, I've, been, I've been to therapy before, but I think sometimes also it's just easier to go to someone that, you know, doesn't know you or isn't linked up into any like relationships or involved in your own personal life. Just to have a sounding board helps. That's that's what it is—a sounding board. And I mean, I, when my my parents got divorced, when you know, I went through a rough breakup, when there was a debt, you know, these are different points where I went to a therapist uh, for you know, it's. You know, as long as you need it, you know, sometimes it was only two or three sessions. Sometimes it was, you know, 10 or 15. But it's just such a great resource to use. And, you know, I'm grateful to all the therapy, you know, the different ones I went to at different points when, you know, I was struggling. Um, I want to know, did it put your family in therapy when you uh, were <laughs> when you were um, drafted for the Dallas Cowboys since they're huge Eagles? fans oh god i'll tell you what so everybody's like they were excited that i was going there but here's the thing my brother wouldn't wear the cowboys hat it took him a month to even put the hat on i'm like dude i'm I'm playing for him now you gotta wear the hat (laughs) and then when i was done playing with dallas i swear i probably got like 10 messages the same day it's like thank god i can cheer for the eagles again Oh my you know, God. so, yeah, they, they couldn't wait to, I mean, they aren't being facetious, but they, you know, they couldn't wait to cheer for the Eagles again. <laughs> I guess that's the silver linings, pun intended, silver linings table. <laughs> Get it? Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, I have a hard time with that. I, um, I definitely have a few Dallas Cowboys fans in my life. My main squeeze is a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm a New York Giants fan, though. So that's, that's even tougher, I feel like. Um, I grew up though. I always liked Deion Sanders, like end zone dances. So like, I did have like a little soft spot for the Cowboys. I was like, okay, I could deal with this. Um, I, I, I love hearing stories of like what it was like when you were brought onto the team and kind of like those last 
few weeks leading up to getting drafted for the Dallas Cowboys. Can you do you have any like fond memories or any stories to share about that experience? Well, I'll tell you what, my story is not as maybe sexy as some other guys. <laughs> so Oh, I've never I'll, heard, you know, football and sexy at the same that's great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the uh I was actually so I, I was a free agent. Um, you know, I was not drafted. Uh, every team passed on me, and that made it that much sweeter. You know, a couple of years later, when I was starting for the Cowboys, yeah, and that was something to hold against every single team I played against. Um, but even before that, you know, I say it wasn't sexy because you know most guys go to Miami, Florida to train. They go to you know Los Angeles, Cali, and they're out there training before they go to the draft. Um, and nothing against Lancaster, PA, but <laughs> but I was out in Lancaster with about you know it was like negative degrees out there, and uh, I was out there for three months training, um, which was actually was incredible. It was an awesome experience because uh, you're just focusing on what you need to do. There's definitely less distractions out there than maybe in a place like Miami. Oh yeah. Uh, so I think it helped in in other ways. Yeah, I could see that. You're right. Because you're, I mean, you're, you're there to play football. Like, I think that's the hard thing about all of that. Like, in college even, like, how did you stay so focused? Or were you able to, like, party and be an athlete and, you know, get good grades and get through everything? Like, what were you like in college? You know what's funny is, uh, yes to all three. <laughs> we, uh... Uh, I say we, my group of friends, is a bunch of animals. Um, <laughs> I believe that they're from Jersey, so I get it. Yes, yeah, they actually, yeah, my brother was a roommate. My uh, other one of my best friends, who is a Jersey State trooper now, um, and then another buddy. Uh, we uh, we all lived together, and what was great was, you know, everybody was performing on the field at a high level. Uh, everybody was getting honor roll, getting good grades in school because that was important to us. Yeah. And then, you know, we were we were known at the bars as well, so we were, we were doing a little bit of everything. I respect that. I believe in that, and I think that's the key to everything. I think you work hard Balance. to play hard. Balance, exactly. How about you? How are you? How are you in school? Give me some insight. Oh God, Phil, this is about you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I honestly college I loved it. I feel like I peaked in college. No, um, I I did everything. Like I was recruitment chair of my sorority. I loved the Greek life on campus, but I was also in the theater department, and I was lucky enough to be you know getting cast as leads in all the shows. So I would have rehearsals for that, and I also I danced on the dance team. Um, the for the basketball team so I was there after Lamar Odom so I was doing the Ramettes so it was just a lot um and I was also partying my face off um you know Jeez. yeah, yeah you're doing a lot of things at that time too what, kind of, what kind of shows were you doing <laughs> um oh god what place I did one flew over the cuckoo's nest I was nurse ratchet um nice. yes give a great resting bitch face um <laughs> I was Mrs. Frank in the Jari of Van Frank, so, you know, I have that motherly aspect about me, apparently. Uh, and, no, we did a chorus line. We did into the... what we did. Why, are you into theater, Phil? What's... Are, do you like this no, stuff? I, I, I'm curious. I'm into learning about your background. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't say I'm into theater too much, but... 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I um, it's funny. I the first play I ever saw was Damn Yankees on Broadway, and I feel like that is like the perfect embodiment of like a me because it's it it has baseball, it has you know sexy dancing, and just right. I love right. it. And it was my brother that was the first thing. Like, he actually loves going to shows, too. And I think that's something that, like, you can share. I'm, I'm giving dating advice now for everyone listening. <laughs> it's actually really fun to go to a play. You just have to pick the right one, you know? Um, we went to go see A Bronx Tale, the musical, uh, last Christmas. The whole family went. And, like... I mean, that movie, that's a legendary movie. It was such an amazing show. And, like, something like that I recommend is, like, a good, like, easing into a musical theater experience for someone who's, like, not into musical theater. Right. Have you have you seen uh, uh, The Book of Mormon? Okay, I have not. See, and I hear, I mean, it's supposedly hilarious and awesome. Have you seen it? So I saw it when it came to Philly and when I was up in New York. Uh, probably it's probably true a year, year and a half ago now, but highly recommended uh, The Book of Mormon. Yeah, incredibly fun. All right, guys, you heard it here first. I'm sure it's touring somewhere. Book of Mormon, you heard it here first. Like, it's one like all the Tonys, like everyone knows. Yeah. Um, I will put it on my bucket list. Um, <laughs> I want to know, I mean, you're playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Like, what was that like? Like, mentally, how do you even stay humbled? How do you, you know, not, you know, buy into it or... Because it seems like you've you have a great head on your shoulders. Like, what was that like? Like, in the middle of you playing? I think keeping it in perspective with, you know, number one, I was grateful to be there every day. Um, it was an awesome job, really, really fun job. But at the end of the day, you know, it's still it's a job where. You know, these NFL and professional athletes, you know, you show up, you're there at 6.30 in the morning, you leave at 6.30 at night, and you're watching film after that. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it looks, you know, you see the games on Sunday, and I'm sure your brother, you know, as you said, he's a pro athlete, or was a pro athlete, can attest to it where, you know, the, the public sees a little part of that. You know, I think the stat was like 5% of all the time and preparation you put into to the game. Yeah. So the behind the scenes and the 95% of that is, you know, there's so much to it. It's a lot. Um, and I love that your position was center because it was your job to make all the calls. And I feel like you're really good at just making good calls in your life. Like the path that you've continued on really, I don't know, mirrors your position on the field, if that makes sense. Sometimes, sometimes it feels like that, but just just like in a game, you make uh, you make some calls. You're like, ah, wish I had that one back. But that's part of it. It's part of you know what I mean. Growing up and making mistakes, learning from those mistakes, and not repeating the same ones again. Hopefully, you know. Do you have any I don't know quotes or advice that like mentors or your dad or someone? has like instilled on you that kind of kept you going through certain things when you were going through tough times, either on the field or off the field even? Yeah. The one, the one that I always try to follow and still do is the idea of control what you can control. And that served me really well, you know, during sports, but after sports, 
you know, where things wouldn't go my way. I mean, even in a, in a relationship, in traveling, and, you know, you lose something, um, and then you just kind of go back to that idea of control what you can control, which was something my mentor uh, really, and he was a former professor, a former coach, and someone who just instilled that idea of, you know, don't look at the past, don't look too far in the future, be here today and, you know, control that. Oh my God. I love that so much. I feel like we all need like a second <laughs> to digest it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's so true. And it's funny because I feel like sometimes, like even before we started talking, I was looking stuff up on Instagram and I have a lot of anxiety when it comes to like, oh, I need to post. And then I go down a rabbit hole looking at what other people are doing. And then I'm like, oh, I need to be doing more or doing better. And it's like, then I throw my phone across the room and I was like, stop it. <laughs> that's not reality. I can control what's happening in the moment for me. And that's it. Like, it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. <laughs> so... I love that because that really resonates a lot. Um, okay, you have to give, me, give me some insight with when you're on stage, you're telling jokes. Yeah. I mean, what kind of things that, you know, if you're going through a good set, bad set, what are you thinking in the back of your mind? Like, what's, <laughs> give, give me some insight into that. I'm curious. You know, what's so funny. And this also happens when I teach class. Um, like when there, I was doing a show at the Brea Improv last week and it's great. It's a huge venue. I feel like it seats 500 people. It was a great crowd. And there was just one woman in the front row, just like giving me stink eye. And she was so uncomfortable and she just looked mad at me. And I, it's terrible, but my instinct is to just go in on that. And like, And I like, yeah, and but I'm also like a complimenter, so I was like kind of like putting her up on a pedestal, which was like I finally was like, oh fuck this, I'm moving on. Um, But if that answers the question, like you are having an entire inner monologue um, while you're up there, and even when I'm teaching classes, four songs will go by, and it's more of a body sense memory thing, which I think maybe you can relate to as an athlete. Um, where I will be like, oh my God, four songs just went by and I completely went through a laundry list of everything I have to do during the day over, like, I was thinking about, like, a TV show I saw the night before. Like, just not there. Um, But also when you're on stage, I mean, it's there's a million things. Um, Hopefully it's you're in the moment and you're really connecting because honestly, comedy is just a conversation between you and the audience and the laughter is just their response to what you're saying you know um but sometimes i'll be like oh shit oh like there was one time i was on stage and i don't really like to drink at all before a show and i had been out it was like a sunday fun day i had like a midnight spot like i think it was like a labor day weekend and i just remember being on stage being so in my head being like i'm too drunk for this i should not be on stage right now oh my god and like i never did that again like it was just like and i was fine like i had a fine set because you kind of go into like autopilot at that point but you're like oh this is the worst Uh, (laughs) that's incredible that's awesome oh god um some advice that i feel like a lot of people that are either transitioning careers or they're not happy with what they're doing or they feel like they're not standing in their light and they need to switch gears i feel like advice that you guys have coming up in your new book is about like 
you know, how to move forward to the next thing, if that makes sense. And this is kind of like a two all, it's kind of like a two part question. Like what advice can you give athletes who are either like leaving being a pro athlete or just, you know, they, they can't be an athlete anymore. So they have to decide on something else or does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Um, so with the book, it's called The Transition Playbook for Athletes. And during the, you know, it's been about a three-year process, but during the process we've had, and I say we as my co-author and former professional athlete as well, Rob Curley. Uh, he's a former football player. What but up, Rob? During, <laughs> what up, Rob? <laughs> but during this process, we had, you know, people who were military transition, people who were, you know, going through a divorce, going, they were going to be retirees, you know, so they would say to us, is this book for us? And the, the real answer I would say to them is yes and no. And I'll start with no, because no, because this is specifically, and we tried to tailor this to athletes, you know, it's athlete talk. Uh, it's you know the transition playbook for athletes, so it's specific to that scenario. Okay. But the answer yes is because just like we you know you travel and you know you want to see different comedians, you want to see how they you know do comedy shows in the U.S., how they do comedy shows in Europe or South America, is there's still common themes. So the answer yes to these people is hopefully you can see some common themes that. You know, maybe you wouldn't have, you know, found specifically in the, you know, transition playbook for military that you'll find in the one for athletes. Oh, so we think true. there's value into that. I um, I love uh, LeBron James has a show on HBO called The Shop. Have you seen it? I'm not familiar with this, no. Um, it's cool. It's a bunch of professional athletes. There's comedians like John Stortz on it, Jimmy Kimmel's on it, and like Mary J. Belage. Like, there's just every, like, you should be on the show. You need to get your publicist on this <laughs> now, Phil. Um, but I can just say, and I've talked about it before, Meatballs, that even though I'm not a professional athlete, even though I'm not a, you know, a rapper, um, I still resonated with so many of the stories that, you know, LeBron told that I forget there was so many athletes on the show, Snoop Dogg's on the show. So it doesn't really matter. I think what your career is necessarily because we're all human. And I think yeah. it's just more about like what you're going through. Um, on a selfish note, I, I want to know just because my, my brother had gone through having being a professional athlete and being a professional uh, Olympic soccer player at a very young age and then getting injured, I feel like it would have been so helpful to have a book like this or to have someone giving advice. So do you have any advice on career transitions for someone who got injured, who has been doing one thing their entire life, whether it be sports or, you know, even with acting or comedy like sometimes you're just like I can't do this anymore and this is all I've done for like 20 years what do I do right. now like what advice can you have for someone that's only been on one track their entire life and they have to switch gears yeah the two things that pop up from the book and it's a common theme you know we have one athlete John Harris who's the CEO of Athlete and you know, it's a company where they uh, work with the NFL the WWE the NBA and he has some of the, some of the best advice in the book, which is the earlier you start.
preparing for that transition, the more successful you will be. And I was just with the New York Giants, there you go, Giants uh, defensive lineman uh, on Monday. And he's a third-year guy, Dalvin Tomlinson, who was super impressive to me because he, he's doing all these things. And he's at the, you know, he, he's probably not going to have the peak of his career yet. Um, but he's preparing for it, which is a huge part of it. And then the other part of that, um, you know, you're preparing for it. But really, we'll get into the other part later, but that was number one is prepare for it while you're in it. Okay. Does that make you feel like you're giving up, though, or like you're putting energy into something that, you know, like you're already like saying, well, I'm not going to do this anymore? Because that's, I think, something that a lot of people wrestle with where you're just like, no, I'm still doing it. Like, I shouldn't be like focusing on the future. Does that make sense? 100%. 100%. And that's exactly what you just said is Matt Burke. Uh, he's a former NFL lineman, former center, who played 15 years. You know, he's all Mr. Football, won every award there was. And he says that in the book. Uh, he says, that's the reason I didn't want to prepare for exactly what you just said. And yeah. it takes your focus away. Um, and then he goes on to say in the next sentence, that was a mistake looking back. Um, because he doesn't believe, and I, I don't believe either, that it would have taken any focus away uh, from what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, but what we were saying before with, you know, well, what's the advice for somebody who is, is maybe already transitioned and already is out of the athletic world or, you know, they're going to be out of the, uh, you know, acting world, is what do you do to find out what that next thing is? Yeah. And the answer to that from a lot of people who have successfully transitioned is go meet with go meet with people. Go meet with experts in fields that you think you might be interested in. And a meeting is a cup of coffee. You know, it's just asking them, what is your day like? You know, we, we might think we know what a doctor, a lawyer, um, you know, real what what these different professions do. But go talk to them. Go find out what that's like. You know, that's some of the great advice that came out of the book. As simple as it sounds, like, just go talk to people. Network. Oh, my God. I love that. It's so simple, but so freaking true. And Phil knows what he's talking about because he transitioned into medical sales. And that transitioned into you sitting in over 500 heart surgeries. So can you tell us how that happened? (laughs) So, ironically... Uh, heart surgeries are a lot like the NFL. Um, and I'll explain what that means is, you know, in the heart surgery, there's obviously there is no room for error. Uh, if you make an error, you know, something, uh, you know, a lot worse than the NFL, you know, something really bad, you know, death can happen. Um, so the idea of why I got into that was it's a competitive field. It's, uh, you know, intellectually stimulating field and most of all was you know you're helping people and you're making impact difference in their lives and they don't even know but when you're you know the example we use is before you go on the football field you're you put the helmet on and imagine there's a switch in the back of your head so you put that helmet on the switch goes down you're on goes from zero to 100 Mm-hmm. Same same thing when we would go into the heart surgery, the operating room, is you're out in the hallway 
and you're joking, you know, you can joke around with the doctors, nurses, but once you cross that threshold, and here is you put the mask on to go into the room, you know, you're going from zero to 100 again, you're locked in. So that that's what really you know, drew me to that and kept me in it for a number of years. Wow, that's so cool. That's amazing. Yeah, was, you're doing so God's work. It was really interesting too. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I do. I do want to know why Madrid, Spain. Why? Why are you there? What's happening? So Madrid. Uh, my co-author Rob. He uh, he married a Swiss woman, and they are based in Switzerland right now. Okay. Um, so part of it, you know, we wanted to be a little bit part of it. We wanted to be on the same schedule, but the, the big part of it too is, uh, you know, I knew over the last year I was going to focus on developing and writing this book. Um, so I said in the back of my head is, well, at least if the book doesn't do something, uh, I'll be able to speak Spanish. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I can do that, but, you know, we, we've been really fortunate where, you know, the, the book has uh, has received some really, really great reviews from, you know, people who are, who are in this. And, you know, we, we hope the goal for it is to help athletes. So, you yes. know, that's, that's uh, something we're, we're shooting for. That's number one. Oh, my God. I love it. Do you have any favorite athlete, like any certain is, – is it like a different athlete, a chapter, or are they all just like interwoven through the entire thing? It's pretty much a different athlete uh, chapter. Okay. Um, there are some awesome stories. The one that's just super cool to me and was super unique, uh, there's an athlete, she's named Karen Davies, who her background is incredible. But the story she shares is she was supposed to be competing in the Olympics in London the next day. And this goes to the idea of transition. So she's in her hotel room the night before and she's filling out applications for doing uh, internships for law school. Oh my for, God. Exactly. And you know, she says in the book that I was filling these applications out and I got the internship and she found out, you know, months or weeks later, but the next day she was going to compete in the Olympics and, and she was competing in rowing and, it was just an incredible story of transition where she was thinking about the next thing while she was right in the heart of it. I love that. Right? Yeah, super, super cool, super inspiring. And now she's a she's a lawyer based in Boston. Um, she's got so many incredible degrees, and yeah, she, she's an inspiration. She's great. I cannot wait to read the book. I feel like so many exciting books are coming out this month. Um, okay. I do want to know what your opinion, or I have to say this just because you're dealing with athletes and colleges, the whole yeah. varsity blues college admission scandal, like have, do you, uh, it's crazy, right? It's insane. It's so, I, I find it like so upsetting, but also I feel like this has been going on for kind of like years with colleges and like, you know, like money and people with more money. It just, I mean, I don't know. I, I just want to know, have you, do you know any athletes that have been like hurt by this or like what the talk is kind of like inside baseball talk when it comes to athletes and this whole scandal? If, I was surprised, but kind of like you said, it probably has been going on for a long time. Yeah. Um, it, it's a shame, you know, that that's what, and it's the parents, what the parents 
parents are doing, the pressure they're putting on, I think their kids to, you know, go to these certain schools and what they're willing to do to get them into these certain schools was insane. Yeah. And the coaches as well, like the ethics there, I mean, it, it was terrible. And, you know, were you surprised to see it or you said not really? Um, I was surprised to see who was involved in it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Um, but at least now maybe it'll level the playing field for everyone and we can, like, start back. I don't, I don't know. Now, now I know why I didn't get into Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, me too. <laughs> yeah, and then now we can all say that. Like, yes, there you go. Exactly. No, it's great. There's been some comedians who, like, went to USC making jokes about USC, and it's really funny. Um, all right, Phil, we are now at the point where, okay, are you single? I am single. You up, oh, meatballs? Are you listening? He's single. Oh my god! Um, I had to do this. I have a lot of female Bring listeners. On. Come on. Um, so Phil had like a high profile. You're very adjacent because you've dated someone who's done some reality TV and you know has been in the pro wrestling arena per se. Um, and I want to know what um, is it hard to deal with someone who has like a big Instagram following who has you know, a lot of hot pictures out there. Like, is that a turnoff for guys? Or is that something where you're like, whatever, you do you, and that's fine. I know I know, we're solid. You know what? It's, it's a good question. I think it's, I think it's how it's done. Okay. Um, there's a lot to it. Um, but I, I think it's how it's done, you know, and you know, that was a few years ago where, you know, we dated, but it was also... Um, it didn't bother me, and it still doesn't bother me. You know, somebody I'm dating has those kind of pictures, you know. I think it just goes more to, you know, who is that person, like, you know, as a, as a person, not as the celebrity that people think they know. Yeah. So they, that's what was really matters to me, is who, who they are. Um, all right. So I want to know, who are your, <laughs> like, celebrity crushes? I feel, I feel like a matchmaker right now. That's how I feel for you. <laughs> Um, I want to know, like, what do you like in a girl? So, number one thing, and this is going to be a simple thing, is a nice person. Oh. You know, that sounds, I swear to God, it sounds corny, but it's just like, just like a true, like, nice person who means well, who wants others to do well, who believes the idea that all ships will rise. Um, you know, that's, that's so important to me, especially, you know, I'm 31, and yeah, I've dated, you know, a lot of the last years where that's number one. Um, number two, somebody who likes to travel. You know, I love traveling. Yeah. Um, so to me, those are one and two. I mean, those are pretty good ones. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 hold on, hold on. You give me what's what's your one and two? <laughs> you get in this conversation. Oh, God. <laughs> What are, you, what are you looking for in a guy? Maybe, maybe I'm doing something wrong here. <laughs> Someone who likes meatballs. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I definitely, I find that you don't need someone that's just like you. Um, you I think balance is good. I think that is something where you can both, like, kind of amplify each other's strengths and, like, pick each other's weaknesses up, if that makes sense. Like, right. I, I, I find that that's really helpful in relationships um, where you're on the same team. Um, mm-hmm. 
and you find someone that kind of gets you and sees you for like the good and the bad. But also I think it's so important to laugh with someone and to have someone that you can just be weird and like joke around with. And because a year in, two years in, like it's, you're going to be walking around in like a face mask or someone's going to fart or like something bad's going to happen. And yeah. <laughs> like, you're just going to have to get through it. And you know, or like someone's going to be sick. Like if you have to take them, them to the hospital and you're going to see some shit, like it just, I, I, and don't get me wrong, I, I think whining and dining and going on dates and keeping it, like, sexy and romantic is so important, but there needs to be both sides of it, where you can just be in your sweats and eat and watch football and do all that. That's my advice. I like that. I like, I like that answer. That's good. Yeah. I, I've, you know, I've had a lot of experience where it comes to dealing with girlfriends <laughs> boyfriends and helping them with advice and all that and being in relationships myself and it kind of just seems like you want to be with someone that you actually like um yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> number one right yeah because <laughs> they could be hot as fuck and they could be famous and they could have a shit ton of money but if they're a shitty person then fuck you're it's not yeah. going to be Good. And I think it's also, and this is something like I've definitely had to deal with, um, being open about like where a relationship is going and you know, what you both want and wanting like certain goals that are the same. I think it's actually important. I definitely in the past have shied away from that and just kind of been like, it'll happen when it happens. And like, you know, like everything's going to be fine. But I think you do have to be very like black and white about like what you want and like then work towards that with each other, if that makes sense. But also have your own shit going on on the side because no one wants to be everyone's 100% focused. That gets boring after a while. Yeah, especially, especially the older you get, you know, you figure out what you like and what you don't like. Oh, yeah. Um, so you figure figuring yourself out and what you want is, you know, helps you decide what you want the other person or what you hope, you know, you find or, you know, get from the other person as well. Oh, definitely. Um, can you tell the meatballs, like, what your ideal date would be? Like, what would be your, like, <laughs> best day ever? Like, fantasy, like, whatever you could do, what would it be, Phil? Oh, if I could do an ideal date, man, let's see. You know what, honestly? Is and I do this sometimes, and some some women are like, "Yeah, let's do it." Other ones, you know, don't. But I like taking uh, a first date, or maybe second date, but you know, taking date to a yoga class. Um, because it says you know so much that even if they don't do yoga, they're willing to try new things. Okay. Uh, and if they do do yoga, even better. But it's just being open-minded. You know, like you said before, the theater, you know, it's really it's not my thing. But if, you know, my significant other asks me to go, I'll do it. I'll try it. You know, just being keeping open-mindedness about things, uh, to me, is super important. All right, Meatballs, so keep an open mind. See, when you say yoga, I feel like anxiety immediately, but I would do it. <laughs> Because, A, Phil, I'm going to give you the real talk. Girls are going to be like, (laughs) they're going to be like, oh, my God, A. Actually, no, there's so many cute yoga outfits now that's, like, not a big deal. But, you like, you want to look, like, hot. You want to appear like you're really bendy and you're able to do everything. So, immediately, 
If you say to a girl, let's go to a yoga class, her first response is going to be like a butt clench. She's going to be like, oh, God, oh, I'm going to embarrass myself. But then, guys, give into it. It'll be fun. And if something embarrassing happens, you just laugh through it. And you just then you can like go out for lunch or like go get cocktails like you. I think that's a great first, not a first date. No, I would maybe do that as like a third or a fourth, Phil. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm pretending like I'm a dating guru now. Um, are you on dating apps? You know what? I am, yeah. You are? Ooh, okay. So, Meatballs, you can find Phil on a dating app. Um, and what what do you like on profiles? Because I feel like everyone just wants to know, like, what should I put out there? Like, what, what do you like to see when you're swiping? Huh, good question. Um, what do I like to see? I think it's you know what there's something about like the, the clothes to me you know they say you know the sexy clothes but also like something you wear that um how about you what do you look oh my god you're oh, such you, a deflector <laughs> um I feel like what you're trying to say is like it's yeah. like a girl is like a kind of like a present whereas before you just like like to get the gift right away without the wrapping and now like you're like whatever but we'll put cute wrapping paper on it and we'll figure out what's underneath later on I feel like that's, that's a good way to say yeah much better way. Much better said, yeah. <laughs> no I love that um well that's awesome um I feel bad. I've taken up so much of your time. Uh, I love this. I just want to know before we wrap up, where do you see yourself in five years and like what the future holds for you or like, what do you want? Oof, uh, five years. Um, so the idea, you know, that my co-author and I were trying to develop right now and where we see ourselves and where I see myself in five years is having, you know, about 25, 30 different books. Uh, specifically on this topic. Uh, and that's why I said before, this one's built specifically for athletes. You know, it's the transition playbook for athletes. Okay. But we think there, this idea is uh, easily easily recreatable with, you know, the transition playbook for military, transition playbook, you know, to entrepreneurs, to CEOs, you know, divorce, marriage, all the life transitions. Uh, we think we can, you know, expand on this topic and help people in all these different areas of transition. I mean, I feel like a transition is such like a hot word right now and a buzzword. So I feel like that you just need to keep going with it. And also I've already learned so much just from talking to you this hour. And I feel like the meatballs have taken away so much from this. <laughs> from you too. I, I got some awesome insights. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Um, yeah, well, that's awesome. I um, I feel like you guys could open... I mean, it, w- it would be cool to even see you partnering with, like, therapists and different, like, athletic, like, organizations and, like, having almost just, like, community centers for people or just... I, I see a lot that you could even do with all... And I'm sure you have a business plan and something that you've already put into place. Um, I don't know. I think we're going to hire you as a consultant. <laughs> bring, bring these ideas out. Now, yeah. we're, honestly, though, we're, we're exploring. We're not, you know, exactly sure where the direction is going to be. Um, and with the first book, we're trying, you know, we're hoping to get a lot of feedback from the athletes. And we have an idea of what they might want, what other resources they might want. Uh, but we want to hear from them directly to us and say, you know, I do need this psychologist or I do need this career counselor. 
Um, so we're going to let the, the clients and the, the audience, the athletes, guide us a little bit to where the next step will be. I love that. Um, I also, last question, do you think being from New Jersey has given you a little bit of an edge on this whole journey that you've had so far? Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing, here's the thing. So whenever, uh, whenever I would be, especially in college and pros, when coaches find out you're from New Jersey, yeah. they love it. Football coaches absolutely love it. Because, <laughs> because they know you're tough. I, I swear to God, it's like that's the one thing. You walk around, you're from Jersey, you play football, you have that, you know, coming along with you. So it's definitely a positive thing there. Oh my God. I love it. Yes. Yeah. I loved this. Um, Phil, uh, Pimp yourself out. Tell tell the meatballs where uh, they can find you. Yeah, so the transition playbook uh, for athletes. You can buy it now on Amazon. You can go to our website at thetransitionplaybook.com. You can find the book. You can find more resources. And uh, it will be released May 29th. So pick it up. One more thing to add is uh, we partnered with Athlife Foundation. So all the orders from now until May 29, all those pre-sale proceeds will be donated to Athlete Foundation. And what they do is they support 10,000 student-athletes in 14 different states all across the U.S. So you know your money is going to a good cause. It's going to youth sports. Uh, so buy now and you, know, you can support not only get a great resource, you hope with the book, but your money's going to an awesome cause. Oh my God, I love that. See meatballs, everyone go buy this book. It's so amazing. <laughs> the name is The Transition Playbook for Athletes, How Elite Athletes Win After Sports. You're going to be supporting youth athletics. You're going to be supporting Phil. You're going to be supporting What's Your Jersey podcast by doing this. And oh man, this was so awesome, Phil. Thank you so much for being here. This was fun. I, I thank you, Pat. Yeah, actually, you weren't here. You're in New Jersey. But thanks for joining. Um, I'm going to go do yoga. Uh, <laughs> you've inspired all of us. <laughs> um, you're amazing. And Meatballs, you're amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing. And remember, the best way to find out about a podcast is from friends. So please share with your friends. I love you. I'm Jacqueline Marfuji. This is What's Your Jersey Podcast. And I'll catch you on the flip side. Just put your paws up. Cause you were born this way, baby. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars.